0: It is January 11th, 2024. This is Everyone Has an Opinion. My name is Juan. Welcome to a boxing edition of the podcast. We're back to our regularly scheduled programming. If you're a professional wrestling fan, do me a favor. Go to the archives. Check out my 2023 wrestling wrap-up. You could also listen to the Boxing Yearly Awards. It's the third annual award show that I've done for boxing. But we're in 2024 now. The past is the past. We're moving on. 2023 was an incredible year in both wrestling and boxing. And now 2024 is already bringing the fireworks in the boxing ring. Just last week, we saw a Virgil Ortiz card that, going into it, I thought it was pretty, pretty standard. I thought everything was pretty predictable. But there was one fight on that card that I said, you know what? That's actually a pretty even matchup. And that was O'Hara Davies versus Ishmael Barroso. On paper, Barroso was the underdog. But after seeing Rolly fight Ishmael Barroso... I realize this guy can crack. Like, this guy may look like he's 75 years old. They say he's 40. Listen, I don't believe it, but that's neither here nor there. The guy looks like an old man, but he has old man strength, that's for sure. He was cracking Roley. Roley was extremely tentative in that fight. And people were clowning Roley for it, probably because of the horrible stoppage, but also because he got dropped in that fight. But I think people owe Roley an apology. Roley stated after that fight, hey, listen, this guy can crack. He fights... What he throws punches like he has bricks for hands. That's how hard he hits. He said he's easily the hardest puncher I've ever been hit with. And people gave that some pushback. They said, wait a minute. You were in the ring with Javante Davis. You actually got knocked out by Javante. And Roley said, yeah, this guy hits harder. And everyone laughed it off. This dude destroyed O'Hara Davis in one round. It wasn't close. As soon as he touched that chin of O'Hara Davis... This dude was on Queer Street. He didn't know where he was at. He thought he was in P-Town. This dude was wobbling around the ring like your drunk uncle at a cookout. This guy was out of it. Now, Ishmael Barroso is in line for a big fight. And that rarely happens, doesn't it? Someone actually pointed this out. It was on the timeline. I don't want to sound like I'm stealing their tweet. I actually don't know the name of the person. I just saw it on my timeline. I forget. But they basically said, This never happens in boxing. It might have been Adam Abramowitz. He said, this never happens in boxing, where a guy clearly gets robbed. He's an older fighter. He's not a money fighter, but he clearly gets robbed. He got stopped. Well, I wouldn't say he got robbed. He got robbed of an opportunity, let's say that, because it wasn't like it was on the scorecards or anything. Rolly may have had the momentum in the fight, but it shouldn't have been stopped when it did. I think everyone can agree on that. Even Roly himself agreed on that. But anyway, my point is, a lot of times in boxing, when a guy gets the short end of the stick, and he's not a money fighter, and he's up there in age, you don't hear from these people again. This dude got another shot on the co-main of a relevant card against a fighter that most people believed he would lose to. And... And he took advantage of that opportunity. So we'll see what's next for Ishmael Barroso. I know he wants a Roley rematch. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm pretty sure Roley doesn't want to fight this guy again. He's in talks with Ryan Garcia. He's trying to make that fight. He's also looking at fights like Devin Haney. He's trying to get a big fight. Technically, he's a champion. And he's already had a taste of the spotlight. He's been at the top of the game. He's been face-to-face headlining a pay-per-view with Javante Davis. So he wants to get back up to there for another huge fight. The Barroso fight would be a good one, but it's not a massive box office appeal, let's be honest. So I think Barroso will get opportunities, though. There's guys out there like Richardson Hitchens that he could fight. There's guys out there like Subrio Matias that he could fight. Both of those would be excellent matchups. Barroso has now elevated himself into contender status and that's a great place to be especially in a division like 140 where the talent pool is extremely deep so keep an eye on him also on that main event I mean if you want to call it a main event it was pretty much like a warm-up session for Virgil Ortiz he got a guy named Lawson out of there in one round I didn't even make a preview episode for this fight because that's how low I thought of it. I didn't think it was anything. I I knew Virgil Ortiz was going to kill this guy. Lawson is somebody who... Let's let's face it. When I call a guy a scrub, I don't mean they're a scrub to you and I listening to this podcast. But when it comes to professional boxers, that guy Lawson wasn't anything. He was nobody to pay attention to in the sport. So yeah, I knew that fight wasn't going to be worth anyone's time. That's why I couldn't recommend it to you. That's one thing... I'm not going to do in 2024, not to say I did a lot, but I'm not going to recommend to you a fight that isn't worth your time. I don't care who's on the card. I don't care if it's Shakur Stevenson. I don't care who it is. If the fight itself isn't going to be entertaining whatsoever, I'm not going to sit up here and waste my time and yours and tell you, oh, you should check out this fight. Nah, that fight was basically an exhibition fight. But the good thing to take away from it is that Virgil Ortiz is back. He's healthy. He's healthy. He's in a new division, even though technically he hasn't made 154. This fight was supposed to be at 154. Then it got changed last minute to a 156 catch weight. He weighed in at the 156 limit. The opponent, Lawson, was still weighing in at 154. So that tells me right there that Ortiz is the guy that has struggled to make weight, just like he struggled at 147. So how long is Ortiz even going to campaign at 54? That's the question. But the one thing that I do like is him... And Tim Zhu threw some shots at each other. If we can get that fight right away, wow. I mean, that is on my short list of one of the better fights that can be made in boxing. My boy Sibby at Sibby Boxing posted a poll um, at the end of the year and said, what's your Christmas list for 2024? This was obviously right around the holiday And one of my things on that list, I think he said name five things. I said, I want to see Inouye at featherweight. I want to see Day of Reckoning 2. I want to see Canelo Benavidez. And I want to see Tim Zhu versus Virgil Ortiz at 154 pounds. This was even before these guys ever exchanged words. So hopefully I can get that. That'll be one thing to check off the list. Oh, and I said five things. The fifth thing was Devin Haney versus Tank Davis. But yeah, Virgil Ortiz, versus Tim Zhu at 154. If that can happen, that'll be all action. That'll be a big fight, whether it's in the U.S. or Australia. Both sites will do great numbers. Tim Zhu is a guy that has really impressed me lately. The fact that he's staying active, the fact that he's taking on challengers, and the fact that he continues to improve. Virgil Ortiz, he's been out a while. He got that little one round under his belt. It's time to get in there with some real fighters, and Tim Zhu will welcome him to the 154-pound division. That's for sure. That would be a 50-50 type fight. A fight that I've seen many people call a 50-50 type fight is taking place this weekend. You we have the killer, Artur Bedrbiev, 19-0, 19 knockouts. He's defending the championship at 175 pounds, the lightweight division. He's going against Callum Smith. Now, I see a lot of people saying Callum Smith has a real shot in this fight. Callum Smith... Is is 29-1, 21 KOs. That one loss, I'm sure you'll remember it. It's a one-sided beatdown from Canelo Alvarez. The difference is that was at 168 pounds. This is taking place at 175 pounds. Callum Smith has had two fights at 175 pounds. None of them went past the fourth round. He knocked out Lennon Castillo viciously in the second round of that fight. And this was brutal. Go back and watch that. He had his opponent on the canvas quivering like Freddie Roach doing the Harlem Shake. It was extremely uncomfortable. And then in his most recent fight, he fought a guy named Bardelike. I don't know who that is, but he knocked him out in four rounds. Callum Smith has looked much healthier, much better, much stronger at 175 pounds. But to say this is a 50-50 fight, I'm going to pump my brakes on that because Better BF has been killing dudes. Callum Smith Against Canelo. And again, I know it was at a lighter weight. I get it. He was probably drained. But his performance just showed he didn't want to be there. He was just getting punished. This guy is 6'3". He was fighting like he's 3'6". He was letting Canelo throw him around the ring. Push him back. Beat on his arm so bad he tore his tricep. And another reason I can't say this is a 50-50 fight is because this guy hasn't fought since August of 2022. If boxing has showed us one thing in 2022, that the excuse me 2023, the, is that these guys that take these long stretches of inactivity, they tend to get their ass kicked. I'm kind of done with saying that dudes can just be inactive for a long time. Not everyone can do it. Not everyone's Floyd Mayweather. Not everyone can just get up off the couch. Not everyone's Sugar Ray Leonard and not get up off the couch. But you know what I mean. Get up for a pro fight. Guys are in the gym. Guys are sparring. I get it. But not everyone can do that. That's elite talent we're talking about. Calum Smith is not an elite talent. He's a good fighter. He's a hard puncher. He could punch with both hands. He has a shot in this fight, but ain't no way I'm calling it a 50-50 fight. I expect Better BF to beat the hell out of this dude, actually. I expect it to be really interesting early on. I even wouldn't be shocked if Calum Smith can hurt Better BF early, because that's the thing with Better BF. He's been rocked early in fights. He's actually been dropped on two occasions, and I believe they were both very early in the fight. So there's an opening for Callum Smith to hurt Better Biev, but I believe even if Better Biev gets hurt, because I've seen him hurt, I've seen this guy's forehead split wide open, blood gushing down in his eyes. Better Biev is the type, like any wild animal, when he tastes his own blood, he gets even more dangerous. This dude is going in there to break Callum Smith down. I mentioned this dude 6'3". Well, you know what happens? to tall guys in this sport, they get chopped down. I think that's going to happen. I could see a body punch really hurting Callum Smith in this fight. But it is a fascinating matchup style-wise. We already know what Benabiev brings to the table. He's looking to break you down. He's looking to get you out of there early. 19-0, 19 stoppages. He's extremely aggressive, but he also has shown patience like he did against Joe Smith in their fight, and I know it only lasted a couple rounds. But early in that fight, from the opening bell, really, he moved laterally. And he kind of just waited for openings. He comes in behind the double jab, and he throws a ton of hooks. But with Joe Smith, he kind of let Joe Smith just walk into his own demise. Joe Smith was extra aggressive. So if Callum Smith gets aggressive in this fight, it's going to be perfect for Better Biaf. Better Biaf can move. Better Biv can also throw hard punches on the move. That's what makes him so dangerous. His punches on the move will still drop you, will still hurt you. Ask Joe Smith. He's going to be looking to land big hooks through Callum Smith's high guard. That high guard is going to get torn apart, better be able to punch through the guard, and his punches will hurt you even if a glove is deflecting part of it because you're not going to stop everything. This guy, watch him hitting a bag. It sounds like he's at a gun range. That's a type of viciousness and power that this guy has. So Callum Smith isn't necessarily an easy out, but I do think this fight... Does get stopped, and Better Biev is the winner. I see this fight ending around the seventh round. I think Kalem is going to be stronger at the weight. Like I said, his last two fights, he looked stronger. He fought better. But when you're in there with a guy like Better BF and you have the Bivel fight right there on the table, this dude is extremely determined. I can't see him fumbling that bag. I can't see him fumbling this legacy fight that waits there in Saudi Arabia between Bivol and Better Beav. This is a fight that, I know we've been talking about Crawford and Spence before they fought, how long we've been waiting. This fight, it's not with bigger stars or anything, so the, the outcry to make it hasn't been as big, but this fight has been marinating much longer than Crawford and Spence has. It's just people haven't been demanding the fight as much. They haven't been criticizing these two guys. So now that we actually have a spot, and people that are willing to fund the fight. We have to get this fight. So better be versus Callum Smith is a really important fight. I got better be I think the body shots are going to be there, but again, those hooks up top are just going to be too much for Callum Smith. Callum Smith has to keep his distance in this fight. I mentioned the height. Um, he's 6'3". I think better be is like 5'10". So you got to keep better be of away from you. That's a lot easier said than done. Use that jab more often than he typically does. Even though he's been thrown with power, use the jab, establish it early, because better be of takes a little bit, typically takes a few rounds to get going. So use that jab, stay on your back foot, but when it's time, you got to unleash uppercuts. I wouldn't throw the hooks because the old adage, don't hook with the hooker, you will get knocked out that way. I do think Callum Smith gets knocked out anyway, but I think the best path for his victory is to keep better Beev on the end of those punches. You don't want to let him inside because if he gets inside, it's going to be a nightmare. He's going to tear that body up, pause. So it's really important to keep him at bay and pretty much hope that the age is a factor because a lot of people are pointing out how better be of 38 years of age while Callum Smith is 33. But, I mean, at 38, you're definitely not getting better at 38. But how much is he slipping? I don't think he's slipping much based on his last performance. I know people were looking at that like, oh, he got hit a lot. Listen, he was in there with Anthony Yard. I think Anthony Yard is just a lot better than a lot of people gave him credit for. And he had a lot of experience. He'd been in there with Kovalev, been in there with Lyndon Arthur a few times. He's a good fighter. And he's probably a better athlete than better Biev. But at the end of the day, he got stopped. So it's like... We talk about this slipping because you got hit by a power puncher. Like, what are we talking about? Better be if is there to be hit at times for sure. Can he take Callum Smith's punches? I think so. I'm willing to bet he does. I got better be on this fight. It's going to be an entertaining one, however it goes. You can catch this one on ESPN+. Plus. Make sure you tune in for the undercard, though. This is a really good card. You have Christian and Billy on the undercard. He is one of the better fighters at 168 pounds. I think 168 is really thin. You have big names at the top, of course, like Canelo Alvarez, David Benavidez. You have David Morrell making noise. You still have Caleb Plant out there. But I think you need a couple other guys to step up. And Billy has the talent, but he needs to separate himself from the pack. He needs to make some big noise. And I think this is a card that's going to have a lot of attention. So he can make a statement. He can get people to talk about him. And to do that, you have to win an impressive faction. He's matched up against Rohan Murdoch, the Australian fighter, at 168. I haven't seen too much of this guy. I really only know him for getting knocked out by Zach Parker. So I don't expect too much from him. I expect Mbilly to put on a great performance. I'm going to be tuning in, though. Anything can happen in this sport. We see upsets damn near every week nowadays. So definitely tune into that. That has implications for the 168-pound division. But the co-main on this card is a really fun matchup. You have Jason Maloney defending his WBO Bantamweight Championship against Saul Sanchez. I'm looking forward to this fight. I like Maloney a lot, and Sanchez is a pretty good fighter. I don't think this is necessarily a foregone conclusion. I expect Jason Maloney to get tested in this fight. And what's more important to me is what takes place after this fight because we have a lot of movement in the Bantamweight division. You have Emmanuel Rodriguez holding a championship, and he holds a victory over Maloney in a tough fight. You also have Alejandro Santiago holding a championship. He upset Nonito Donaire back on that Spence Crawford card. So you got Santiago holding a title, but he's up against Junto Nakatani. Nakatani was my pick for knockout of the year last year against Andrew Maloney. So peep the storyline real quick. You got Nakatani who viciously knocks out Andrew Maloney. Now he's moving up, trying to capture a championship in his third division. So we could have a scenario here where Jason Maloney, if he is victorious this weekend, could potentially be in line for a unification title fight at Bantamweight with one of two options. Either Emmanuel Rodriguez, a guy who defeated him previously in a rematch, or get revenge against the guy that brutally knocked out your brother when Nakatani destroyed Andrew Maloney. So either path. Is extremely intriguing. Bantamweight is on fire, if you ask me, with all these options going on. So definitely check out that co-main event this Saturday. That's on ESPN. The main card is set to begin at 10 p.m. Eastern here in the U.S., but check your local listings for whatever country you're in because, again, this podcast is worldwide, baby. Shout out to all four countries listening, U.S., U.K., Germany, and Australia. Thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate it. This podcast began as just kind of a way to get my thoughts out to my local friends, get them more interested in boxing. And now we're expanding. We're expanding year by year. 2024 is going to be the biggest year of this podcast by far. And it's because of you, the listener. Don't forget to give me that five star review. And real quick, before I go, I just wanted to touch on some of the other news and boxing in general. It's been a loaded, loaded weekend. We've had Terrence Crawford come out on, well, first, we had Earl Spence post a picture of his eye. He was looking like Brian Danielson. My wrestling fans will know what I'm talking about. But this guy said that he had cataract surgery and he posted, Why do you think I got hit with so many jabs and so many hooks? Ah, oh, man. You guys know Spence is my guy. Like, Spence is the man. Spence is the truth. I will always ride with Earl Spence. I will always support Earl Spence. One of my favorite fighters of all time. Man down. I've been watching Earl Spence his whole career. But this isn't a fanboy podcast. This is a podcast where I tell it like I see it. No pun intended. And what I see when Errol Spence posts his eye is a little bit of an excuse, a little bit of an excuse. This is a guy that said, I ain't going to make no excuses. Even if I had one, I wouldn't share it with you. But now you're sharing this eye surgery. You could say, hey, I had surgery, whatever. But to say, why do you think I got hit with so many hooks? Maybe he was joking. People said, oh, he was just joking. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I think he fails, and I'm not saying he shouldn't fail this way, but I'm sure he fails, hey, I wasn't 100%. My eyes clearly had an issue after the retinal surgery. I developed cataracts, whatever. That's perfectly normal to fail that way. But to display it publicly isn't a good look, in my opinion. Maybe this is a ploy. Maybe this is part of marketing the rematch. I don't know. But the way it sounded, sounded like you were trying to take a little bit of the credit away from Terrence Crawford. I'm not cool with that. Terrence Crawford got my performance of the year. Terrence Crawford deserves all the credit for dismantling Errol Spence. If Errol Spence had an issue going into that fight, that is on him. Just like I said about Teofimo Lopez against George Cambosis. If you have an ailment or a condition that you think is going to affect your performance, that is on you. If you're willing to continue with the fight, that means part of you believe that even with that handicap, even with that injury, you felt you could still win the fight. But you didn't. So now to go back and say, oh, well, you know, I was hurt. Terrence Crawford came on and said, hey, I need three different surgeries right now. He didn't reveal which ones they are because he's a smart man. He's not gonna do that. I wouldn't imagine he's not gonna tell people his weaknesses. But he said, "Hey, I need three surgeries." So I guess I was hurt too, like. And he has every right to say that people were mad at him. Like, oh, you, well, now we're shitting on Earl Spence. No, we have to call it like we see it. Doesn't matter who it is. I'm a Floyd guy. If Floyd said some shit like this, I'd be calling him out. I'm an Earl Spence fan. I picked Earl Spence to win that fight. If they have a rematch at 154. I'm rocking with Earl Spence again. But this right here, I don't like it. I just don't like it. It didn't look good to me. But we'll see. I mean, everyone can do what they want. We're all grown men here. If that's what he wanted to post, if that's how he wanted to come off, I mean, he wanted to post a selfie with his eye looking all crazy. I mean, I wouldn't do it. But Earl Spence is his own man. I'm going to support him whenever he returns to the ring. My biggest concern as a fan is how long do we have to wait till we see him back in the ring? How big of a setback is this going to be? I'm hearing that, and I'm not a doctor, so I'm just going by what Google says. So who really knows how accurate that is? But from what I read, I think it said like four to eight-week recovery. So hopefully it's not something too drastic. Hopefully we can still get the rematch if that's what's next. If not, Terrence Crawford can move on. But the thing with Terrence Crawford that concerns me, and he said it on his timeline yesterday, said, hey, maybe I got one more for you guys, maybe not, because – guys aren't fighting each other. Uh I don't agree with the guys aren't fighting each other, but I will say Crawford doesn't have a ton of options really, does he? 147 If you look at it if you look at it now, it's almost like overnight that division dropped off. Like you have Crawford, you have Spence, and then it's like everybody Owen oh, Boots, and then it's like kind of everybody else is there. Stanley Jones is a really good fighter. He's been inactive. Keith Thurman was a really good fighter. He's been extremely inactive. So it's hard to rate those guys when you're talking about top welterweights. Who's out there for Crawford to fight? Is he going to fight Boots? He said, listen, that's a guy that's fighting in a theater still. He already had two opportunities to fight me, and he didn't make it happen. You have Mario Barrios lingering around there. He's a solid fighter, but I don't think he's any threat to a guy like Terrence Crawford. So I think 154 would kind of be the play if the Spence fight doesn't happen. Crawford can move up to 54. You've got the Tim Zhu fight. You've got Virgil Ortiz up there now. That's always been a really fun division the last like 10 years, in my opinion. One of my favorite divisions, probably my favorite division overall in the last few years is 154. So if Crawford can go up there, there's some good matchups there to happen, but he wants big, big fights. There aren't too many massive fights at that weight. The Tim Zhu fight would have to be the biggest one. And then, of course, there's the dream fight. You're dreaming if you think it's a fight is the Canelo Alvarez versus Terrence Crawford fight. I don't think that's a competitive fight. I could be wrong. I've been wrong about Terrence Crawford before. I think Canelo Alvarez really hurts Crawford in that fight. And it's going to play out similar to the Jamel Charlo. When a guy's talking about moving up three weight classes, we have to be really careful about our expectations here. What is this for? Is this just for money? He claims it's a legacy fight. He claims he thinks he can win it. Do we see that fight? I don't know. I really don't know. I think Canelo needs to focus on David Benavidez. That's what I hope happens. That's all I got for you guys this week. I'll be back next week. Don't worry. There's plenty to talk to in boxing. I don't want to make this episode another hour and a half episode. The pro wrestling episode was extremely long. So go back and check that out. If you're a wrestling fan, I cover pretty much everything from 2023. If you haven't heard the boxing awards ceremony for 2023, go check out that show. And just stay tuned for upcoming boxing episodes because we have a lot of stuff at the end of the month as well. We got Kinsharo Taraji back in action. We got Jaime Munguia versus John Ryder the 27th. That should be a war. So definitely stay tuned. February is also on fire. We have the return of Teofimo Lopez. We have, of course, Oshaki Foster in action. And then we have the big one. We have Tyson Fury versus Alexander Usek. For all the belts, we'll crown an undisputed champion at heavyweight. I'm fired the hell up, and I'm here to get you fired up all 2024. Stay tuned. Thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate it. I'm out.